1: Pedrosian throws to Sandberg and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it. Throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting. Have on in. The Giants have won the pennant. All right, it's a Thompson to Clark podcast. I'm Double G alongside my co-host Brad Evans. Brad, we are recording this a couple of days early because you and your family are, are going to Get out of town and, and do a little bit of a vacationing. Uh, so, you know, we don't have all the whole st- all the whole uh, slate of games that's happening on the weekend. So, if, you know, we don't something happens on Saturday or Sunday. We're probably not going to be able to talk about it because we are recording this Saturday afternoon. But... Um, yeah, I mean, happy for you to, to kind of get out of Dodge a little bit and spend some time with the fam. And, you know, I think we have enough stuff to talk about to where, you know, we're, we're not worried too much about recording a couple of days early.
2: Yeah. And we had, uh, what was it, like five games this week? And I'm actually keeping my pulse on today's game. Um, they are in the, let's see, uh, Fourth inning, fifth inning against the the tribe today. Um, some good news out of that game so far. Some some fun things happening. So we'll touch on that later when we get to the uh, get to my spring flings. Find out who I um, ditched, uh, <laughs> you know, who I broke up with over this week, and and who I who I latched to. Maybe I didn't make any changes. I don't know. We'll have to see when we get to that.
1: Want to mention first and foremost. Half of the namesake of this podcast, Will Clark. Happy birthday to the thrill. I don't even want to look
2: up how old he is. Oh, he is 57 today. Oh, how can the thrill be 57 years old? (laughs) The noosh. Yeah, he was. uh, So when he, you know, he's 10 years older than me. So when he started playing, um, you know, I was, uh, uh, let's see, I was 14. No, that can't be right. Yeah. Gosh, I was uh, 13. And so, he was 23 when he made his debut, 22, 23. Um, So, yeah, he's always been 10 years older than me. And uh, it's just one of those things, man. You know, the noosh, when he came up, he was pretty much... Our generations. We're in our 40s. Um, He was our generation's superstar, like the face of our franchise, the guy that we latched on to that, that we just, you know, fell in love with. We already loved the Giants, but he brought it to a whole other level which was so awesome so happy birthday to him man happy birthday to that. I wonder if that swing is still the same too oh it's gotta be yeah and if you go to Twitter I'm sure you've seen him if you're a baseball fan you've seen him the batting stance guy uh, he's got a, a Twitter page and everything and he Posted a happy birthday to to Will the thrill and 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 did one of his uh, batting stances that he always does and it was just fun to watch. Love love seeing that. So happy birthday, Noosh.
1: The other thing I wanted to mention is. Um We spread. uh, I I I don't know if you do this, but uh, Facebook Memories, where you know every year on this date you kind of see what you had posted. And I don't post very much on Facebook anymore, but I I have posted a lot in the past. And so, uh, into what was what what would it have been ten years ago? So two thousand and eleven, heading into spring training, Tim Lincecum has like some. Crazy facial hair mustache, porn stash going on <laughs> and there were some photos that had come out and you know back ten years ago you know we're all posting about Timmy this is still when Timmy's Timmy right Yeah oh yeah so I posted that on on Twitter just like as a you know ten years ago today you know this dude was in spring training and oh my god like so many people retweeted and liked that photo. Uh, So I want to say thanks to those who did. I'm guessing that's a big... I think it may have been Cole Kuyper somehow found it and retweeted. I think that's where we got a lot of the retweets from. Yeah. Um, You know, heavy hitter.
2: Big uh, time. Yeah. Yeah, he's and, big time. We're just I mean, we're so uh small time that before we started this uh recording today, you had to take out the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> That's how small time we are. I mean, we don't, you know, we're not like Feet up on the couch, eight hundred and sixty-seven writers uh, getting our show together for us. No, we're, we're taking out garbage, and uh, you know, I was folding laundry about an hour <laughs> before we we did the show. So yeah,
1: <laughs> and from all, I've actually had a few back and forths with Cole uh, about the Giants in the years past. He seems like a really good guy. It seems like he and his his pops have a really fun relationship, and I think he's actually. On some shows, so uh, you know, so he's actually doing stuff for the Giants, so that's really cool. Uh, But yeah, so you know, I saw that photo got tweeted out. So a lot of people loved that Lincecum photo, and we followed a lot of new accounts. We got a lot of new accounts on Twitter following us. So for any new listeners to this show, uh, welcome. For one, Brad and I created this project. I looked back; uh, I think our first episode was last week of July. Um, may have even been, I want to say the 28th, and this was right when the season started. And now, you know, this is, I don't know, what are we, 34 episodes in or so. So, you know, if, if you're just listening to us, thank you very much. We hope to be doing even better this year than we did last year with more of a full season to talk about. Um, but at the same time, the thing that helps us a lot is when people go on to their... If they're listening on their iPhone and they uh, click that little five star review, that is so helpful just for the algorithms, because there's a lot of great Giants podcasts out there, like uh, a lot of fan ones, just like Brad and I, who have history, who talk about the team. You know, they may be a little bit more onto the analytics than we are. We're a little bit more into the sort of the history and the day to day. But yeah, that would be great. Like if you could just write a five-star review for us. That'll help us in the sorting, help us in the algorithm. You know, we are uh, slowly but surely doing stuff. We've been, you know, we've had the social media accounts for a little while now. Brad is becoming a very excellent Instagram poster. Um, and and yeah, so again, just thanks to people for who listen to this through either... You know the podcast feed, or through YouTube as well, because we throw these on on YouTube.
2: And if you drop a five star review, I will I will personally give you a virtual high five, or <laughs> or a virtual hug, if you're into that.
1: Uh, and you know, and you know what? Maybe maybe. We- uh, we'll, we'll we'll do some stuff where we kind of dig in and, and, and read them. If people do leave reviews rather than just ratings, like that'll be kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm not reading the ones that tell us how bad we are, though.
2: No, no, those I don't. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we can't delete them, but we just, you know, we cry internally and we yeah. keep it inside and yeah. we move on.
1: Yeah. All right. So uh before we get to your spring flings, since it is during the day, we are not drinking our normal podcasting brew, but, uh, what are you drinking some coffee today? What's going on?
2: Yeah. So I, um, on Amazon, there are some really good, there's a really good coffee company. Um, I look it up, but, but i make my own, um, uh, cold brew. And so I've got one of those like OXO, what's that brand? OXO, whatever you say, however you say it. But they make a lot of like kitchenware and stuff like that. So I bought one of their cold brew makers. It's just, you basically, so I hand grind these beans myself with a little hand grinder, a little hand burr grinder. Um, You make like, uh, I think it's uh, 10 ounces of coffee. And then you pour in 40 ounces of cold water and then you let that kind of steep for about 24 hours. And then the next day you put a little carafe underneath it, uh, Mm. empty it out, throw it in the fridge and you've got like cold brew concentrate. So then three ounces of that concentrate plus six ounces of water gets you a nice glass of cold brew. Real. I love the flavor of it. Uh, so I always do half and half. So I buy a, a bag of decaf beans and a bag of regular beans, um, And then, uh, you know, add a a splash of like uh, half and half to it. And the the flavor from it is fantastic and it's really low in acidity. uh, And it's got that uh, real nutty flavor, real just kind of earthy coffee flavor. Uh, and, And since it's not hot brewed, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't like really steep the grains in hot water. It's that cold water that just really pulls it out. So that's what I've got. I, I love to have those uh, in the middle of the day. It kind of gets me going. I got a lot of packing to do today, so I, <laughs> I got I to have something to get yeah. going. And yesterday was rough. I did get my second shot Ooh. Uh, for the vaccine on Thursday. So yesterday was Friday. Uh, started out the day. OK, like a 99 fever. And I go, yeah, there's no problem. I'm still going to work because I'm working from home. It's all good. Had a Zoom meeting, and then when the meeting was over, I go, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling too great. So I took my temperature, it was like 101.5 at that point. And I was like, well, I'm just going to push on through. So I had a cold brew, drank tons of water with it too. I had a, a gallon and a half of water yesterday. Um, and then finally last night at about six o'clock, my wife goes, just take some Tylenol, you dummy, because you, you, you need to rest, you need to sleep. So I went ahead and did that, and, and then the fever finally went away last night, and I slept last night, but you know, a little burned out today, but it's all good. Nothing, nothing a little cold brew can't fix.
1: Who's the coffee maker in the house?
2: That's me. Um, I pretty much like, so we have a ninja coffee maker that can do like, and so we each really make our own cup because it's a single cup one, but not Mm -hmm. with the um, plastic cups, you Mm know? Um, Uh, What is that brand? Keurig. It's not like that. You actually scoop coffee as much as you want into the, into the trap. And then you can make a single cup, a double cup. You can make like a latte and it's got a little frother on the side and all that. But when it comes to, so she has like two a day and I can go three. Sometimes I'll sneak in a fourth and not say anything, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) because that could be a problem if I'm just running around the house and she's like, what are you doing? Calm down. So, uh, so yeah, I think more than anything, I'm really the coffee maker when it comes down to it.
1: Got it. Got it. So I am the coffee maker as well, but I do it in the evening. Sometimes I do it really late in the evening. And so there's a possibility of forgetting sometimes because um, I go to bed late. My wife goes to bed earlier. She's, you know, she's in, she's probably asleep by 930. Uh, but then she also wakes up around six ish, and I don't wake up until about eight. So there's this time where she gets up, where if I do everything correctly, coffee's nice and waiting for her at six o'clock in the morning, and then she's good to go. But uh, I'm I'm still trying to figure out the right uh, the right amount, like. Sometimes like I get really frustrated if at the end of the day when I'm preparing coffee for the next day like there's like two or three cups left that we didn't get to and I'm like oh what a waste you know we wasted
2: this <laughs> did too much <laughs>
1: uh but then you know sometimes the, you you don't have enough and then you can't do I make another pot like what's going on here so uh what I'm drinking is I'm drinking uh what was about half of the half of it is coffee. It was what was left after this morning. And then we also have this Nespresso machine. So the Nespresso machine is like the pods, you know, which aren't the, the best for the environment, but we don't use it often.
2: It's I will tell my wife. <laughs> no
1: one, no one. Um, but. Um, you know, so it's half Nespresso. So it's like it's like an and like an espresso, but it's a you know in a pod version. So it's like half co- half pot of coffee, half Nespresso, and then since when I looked at the time, I was like, ah, oh, if we're recording at like ten or eleven, then you know maybe this is not a good idea. But then I looked at the clock and I said, oh. It's after one, and so I threw I threw like a half a shot of the, of the Jameson cold brew that I'd been talking about in it. Yes. So got a little bit of it, but you know I still got a grocery shop. I still got to do my walk. I still got to go to the store. So I couldn't get crazy or anything. Yeah. So yeah. I, and that's I,
2: that's enough on a Saturday. I mean, that's not too bad, especially if you don't have like I've got a whole day of packing to do. So I, I can't do that. And uh, and I do have a, a stout, an imperial stout in the fridge for tonight. I haven't had a beer since. You know what? I haven't had a beer since we recorded our last podcast on Monday. I don't oh, know wow. why. I, I think I just didn't... Oh, that's right. I wrecked my back and I was on uh, Meloxicam, which is a ibuprofen type of thing. So, I didn't want to have the beer or anything with it and then then had my shot and stuff. So, I'll have a beer tonight. But I understand that. I like the one o'clock in the afternoon. Well, it's almost two now. You have a little shot of whiskey. Why not? It's Saturday.
1: Yeah. Heck yeah. All right. Let's get into the show. Get into the stuff that we were here to talk about, uh, which is... Your spring flings. Now, did you want to go over the ones from last week
2: to this to see who you dropped and who you stuck with? Well, I'm going to hit you with. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of run down the list. So last week, uh, my spring flings, the first group of four that I am enamored with, fell in love with. Uh, now remember it's a week later, right? And when you were in high school, you were in love, right? Yeah. I mean, quote unquote in love with somebody. As
1: as far as what we knew that meant. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: And, but, but then a week later you you were quote unquote in love with somebody else and it it happened. And because that's, you know, that's how it is. So the spring is like high school spring, spring baseball is like high school. There's, you know, 75 uh, baseball players at this facility for the Giants. I mean, there's many people who are getting many at bats, uh, many regulars who are not getting at bats yet just because they don't need to right now. Uh, so last week, my four were Jason Vossler, Eliott Ramos, Johnny Cueto and Camilo Duvall. So you can go back to last week's podcast, listen to that and find out why that was this week. It changed a little bit. I fell out of love. <laughs> I, I stayed in love with Vossler and I stayed in love with Ramos, and that's hard not to do because they are both fantastic baseball players. Uh, Eliot Ramos, I know, <laughs> so many of so many of us are clamoring uh, for him to to make this. 26-man roster out of spring, it's probably not going to happen, but it's in the back of our minds. It's kind of a little bit of a pipe dream. We're saying, please make this happen because this guy's an exciting outfielder. But, but with what the Giants did in the offseason, there's no room for him in the outfield yeah. right now. You've got Yaz, you've got Dickerson, you've got Dubon. So you've got those three guys, w- plus you've got, you know, some other guys who are out of options. Duggar and... You got Slater, Duggar, Slater. Um, Lamont Wade Jr. can start in the minors. That's no problem. Ruff's uh, going
1: to do something.
2: Ruff is probably going to be on the roster. He's one that's on the back end of the 26 man, so you you don't know for sure. You've also got Joe McCarthy, who's been tearing it up, too. Uh, so there's a lot of options. So do you bring up Elliot Ramos, at the beginning of the season? Probably not. You probably see how the roster shakes out. Somebody hurts themselves. They go on the 60-day DL. Um, they're not coming back for five, six months. Uh, well, that that's probably a good time to bring up Ramos. But but also, you got to look and say, if Ramos comes up, you want him to get the at-bats. You don't yep. want him to be the fifth outfielder. No, he's so young. Yeah, and so you've got to get him the at-bats. You've got to get him the experience. And the experience is not sitting in a ballpark with 8,000 people, as we talked about. That's probably what it's going to be to start the season. And sitting on the bench and then coming off to pinch hit and then starting every third or fourth day. That's, that's just not going to work. So. But I am still in love with him. This week, he went four for eight. Uh, he's not playing in today's game. So he bumped up his, his batting average from 417 to 450. Uh, and he's got three home runs on the spring. Um, so he, he's, he's one that I, I kept on the list. Again, I would love to see him start the season with the Giants. Uh, but they're not in that position for that to happen. So Jason Vossler was another one that I kept on my list, too. He had an 0 for 8 week until today. Then today, he came into the game and went two for two. Uh, He's actually up to the plate right now, but he's hitting 385 on the spring, two for two today, uh, but had an 0 for 8 week. The reason I'm in love with him, because he played second base, left field, third base, first base. So he, he... he can move all over the uh, all over the field. He's one of those guys that is extremely valuable to have on your bench because you're going to get a guy who's going to tweak his knee, he uh tweak his elbow, uh tweak his neck. All kinds of funny things happen Wait, throughout are, a season.
1: You're saying that the Giants players are old like us if they're tweaking their neck. Oh
2: no, I'm not no, when that, when I'm talking about a tweak for a for a young guy, I'm talking <laughs> about like, oh <laughs> I tweaked it lifting a car. (laughs) That's for us. It's like, Oh, I tweaked it because I looked at my cat. (laughs) So that, so huge difference. So, right. So you're going to get a yaz. Who's going to be, Oh, my, my elbows cranky. Well, then you can move people around a little bit, but he like unlike us, Yaz will be fine the next day. Yes. <laughs> so Vossler can do that. So he can. You can plug him in the left field. You can move, you know, uh, Dickerson over to right field. I mean, you could do some different things. You play him at first base, third base, um, second base. So so there's a lot of different things you can do with Vosler. So I kept him on the list. I apologize to Johnny Cueto. But I fell out of love with him a little bit. He gave up a moonshot to Trout.
1: Ugh. But I well, mean, not, the, not the worst guy to give up a home run. No,
2: I mean, everybody's going to give up a home run to Trout. And when you give up a home run to Trout, it's not a sneak it over the fence home run. <laughs> it is a moonshot blast home yep. run. But I had to take him off the list because I had to make, a room, make room for the next guy. And that guy's Logan Webb. And I'm starting to fall for Logan Webb. And I'm not ashamed. To say it either. Uh, he is a very popular pick. So he did start today's ball game. Uh, he went, uh, let's see, three innings today, gave up one hit, one walk, and struck out six. In three he, still,
1: games. he still has options, right?
2: He still has options. He's kind of on the back end of the five man rotation. Um, with all the other pickups that the Giants have made, though, yeah, with the like, and f- Yeah, so many pitchers they picked up yeah. this offseason. But like uh, Zadie said, The Giants are going to need eight or nine pitchers, starting pitchers to get through the season. That's just what you're going to need, because, again, you're going to get a guy who's tired. You're going to get a guy uh, you're going to get a Logan Webb who's going to match up well against somebody else, uh, against another team and say, you know, Descalfani maybe doesn't have the history against said team. But Logan Webb being a right hander with a nasty 90 plus mile an hour sinker. Well, this team can't hit the sinker, so let's bring in Logan Webb for this matchup, and he starts that game. So I think you, like we talked about before, I think you're going to see a lot of those real weird, like analytic uh, starts f- for some for some pitchers this year, just because the Giants are going to kind of play that angle up. Um, so Logan Webb on the Springs, six innings total and ten strikeouts. He's only given up two hits. Uh, batters are hitting 0.095 against him this spring. So Logan Webb, uh, is like, you know, the super hot, uh, hot girl in, uh, in, in high school. That's the obvious choice, mm-hmm. but he can't look away because Logan Webb is pitching lights out. So I added him to the list, list, took off Johnny Cueto, Camilo Duvall last week had him on the list. I had to dump him and. And that's because I had to put another giant cusp pitcher on the list. Camilo Duvall, I don't think is going to make the twenty-six man. Uh, He hasn't pitched above, I believe, uh, San Jose single A ball. Uh, So we probably won't see him this year. Uh, He is exciting. He is fresh. Uh, He's got those awesome dreads and he throws plus, uh, you know, upper 90s, hundreds. Uh, so I had to take him off the list, and I had to throw on Nick Tropiano.
1: Heartbreaker you are.
2: I know, I know. I, I flip flop. You know, I I play the field, so to speak. No pun intended. No baseball pun intended. <laughs> uh, so I had to go with Nick Tropiano on this one. And Tropiano in the spring, four innings, two hits. He's actually started two games, and he has a 167 uh, batting average against. He is one of the guys that the Giants signed uh, a few months ago. And he's also going to be one of those guys that can be a starter can be a reliever so he's going to be one of your eight or nine that uh the giants need to get through the season and uh what i mostly like about him is his his starting ability and and more so he started in the past but the past couple of seasons he finished up as, as a reliever i do like the fact that they could use him as a opener also, because mm-hmm. he has that ability to go three innings, you can get through the lineup twice in three innings, maybe four innings, and then you're gone. And then we get, you know, somebody for some long relief to pop in there. Uh, so that's what I like about Tropiano. He's going to throw that kind of, you know, that kind of curveball into the system uh, that the Giants toyed with last year. Kapler likes this type of guy. So um, and, and, you know, Kapler's yoked. <laughs> so if Kapler likes somebody, you go well. I, I'm going to like him too because Kapler <laughs> likes him. So I want to get on board also. So those are my spring flings for this week.
1: All right. Well, we have a couple, probably a couple more weeks of spring flings before the season starts. But we'll continue following who Brad is falling in and out of love with <laughs> uh, until the end of spring training.
2: And I, I kind of had to start. Falling in love with those that are probably going to make the roster, because I don't want to get my heart broken. You know, true. I want to. I, I want to see these guys latch on to the club, stay with the club, so we can stay in love and have this be more of a of a spring fling and turn it turn it into a summer romance. You know.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: I'm not trying to make this too weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this turned into a rom com. Yeah. Okay, so uh, to to kind of end the Giants news piece of this, a couple of Giants players had some wrist injuries. What's the latest on the wrist injuries?
2: Yeah, so Luis Basabe, he um, was he was making a little bit of noise this spring, and he injured his uh, wrist on a dive. Uh, Unfortunately, I can't remember exactly which wrist it was, but he did injure his wrist on a dive. So he is going to be out for six to eight weeks. So there's definitely a chance he is not going to be on the roster. He is um, an invite to spring. Um, He was on the 40 man. And last year he was actually number 18. On the Giants' top twenty prospect list, but they had to sneak him through waivers, and they did. Uh, they were able to sneak him through, so he was uh, put back uh, into AAA. But he uh, he was making yeah he was making a little bit of noise in the spring, and, and on a dive on a nice play, he he wrecked his wrist. So six to eight weeks, so he's out. Uh, dead Neil Nunez and he's a guy I actually started to put on my list. And then after his performance yesterday, he hurt his wrist. He went from 96 to to 97 miles an hour. Now he's down to like 91 to 92 yesterday, uh, walked three batters. So he is hurting, um, so we don't know how long he's going to be out. Uh, and then Austin Slater came back today, uh, or yesterday actually. I think he was available. I don't know if he got an at bat yesterday, but Austin Slater, Slater was having some hammy issues. He's one for two today with a bomb and three ribs. And like we talked about, he's going to be one of those guys—a cusp outfielder. Like, what do you do with them? Uh, so they're they're going to have to get these guys more and more at bats throughout the spring to see exactly what it is. That that they can do. Uh,
1: all right. So I guess uh, I, I was trying to figure out where to put this. And this is, you know, w- 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 talking about the passing of former players or coaches. Uh, where, where do you fit it in a podcast? Do you save it for the end? Do you save it in the beginning? Like, so I'm just going to, I'm going to throw it in here. A uh, lot of people who follow the Giants in the mid 80s would remember Roger Craig's kind of like his right-hand guy with the pitching staff Norm Sherry and he uh passed away earlier this week uh didn't I mean he had a he had a major league career wasn't a, you know a, a very memorable player played in Dodgers organization boo played with the Mets Uh, And then, you know, his managerial career, and I think he he actually did manage a little bit, uh, but was also just kind of like, you know, the right hand man with a bunch of pitching staffs for for some coaches. So people will again, people remember him from the Roger Craig teams of 86 through 91, but he just passed away this week. Do you have any other information on uh, Norm Sherry?
2: Yeah, you know what? An interesting fact, I was looking at his Wikipedia page this week. Um, you know, I remember, and again, listening to Giants games on the radio, because uh, again, like I've said before, didn't have Giants vision, didn't have cable. So hearing, you know, Norm Sherry's going out to the mound to have a, a meeting with Atlee Hammaker, I mean, uh, like that type of stuff, we knew Norm Sherry. Uh, got the programs. Anytime I went to the ball games, Norm Sherry's picture was always in there. I studied those coaching staffs. Such a beloved uh, pitching coach, and like you said, right hand man of Roger Craig. Uh, you know, you do, you don't have the evolution of the giants pitching staff from 86 throughout the late 80s into nine and you know early 90s you don't have that evolution without having roger craig and norm sherry i mean they were on the same page they they knew exactly what they wanted from their pitchers the split finger fastball How to add that into the repertoire of the pitchers. So, um, you know, rest in peace, Norm Sherry. Interesting fact, he was actually uh, it says in Wikipedia through 2018, he was one of nine Jewish managers in Major League Baseball. And one of the other nine is Gabe Kapler. So uh, they're two connected to the Giants. And you can even go further and say another one is Bob Melvin, uh, who used to play for the Giants, who's the manager of the uh, Oakland Athletics. So I thought that was, that was pretty interesting. I did not know that as a uh, as a stat, in fact.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, just, you know, whenever somebody... I, I guess that the thing that I start to think about, and this is like a kind of a selfish thing, but when you see people from... As Giants fans, we know those names. Go, oh yeah, I remember Norm Sherry. And then you see, you know those those folks passing away. It's it's pretty sad. So, you know, all regards to his family and such. But um, all right, let's move on to the rest of this show. And there were some minor league rules that have been changed as an experiment. And a lot of a lot of what happens is. These things are tried out in the minors, and then if they work out the way that they want them to, then they get brought up to the majors. Now, I liked—I will say—I liked a lot of these rules. I'll let you explain them and, and sort of talk about the ones I like and and maybe, maybe not that I dislike. I like—I don't think anything is like way off here. But uh, but yeah, why don't you explain what where these rules are being tested and then what the rules are? Because I do think some of them are actually pretty good, and I would think that they could get brought up to the big leagues.
2: Yeah. Some of them are interesting. Some of them I look at and I say, oh, wow. So now we're moving into like full on football territory with penalties and, um, you know, do you want to take the penalty or do you want to take the play that happened in the field? Just all kinds of weird stuff uh, that I'm not okay with. And there's some things that I am okay with. Jason Stark wrote out a really nice uh, article in The Athletic to kind of break all of this down. So I pulled from a lot of that. So, uh, you know, all, all credit to Jason Stark on the informational part of all of this. Uh, it, like he mentioned in that article, too, and it's kind of an obvious thing. This is happening. They're implementing some of these rule changes into the minors to say, look, we did an actual case study. Uh, Major League Baseball can say this when they go to the uh, bargaining table at the end of the season because the CBA is up at the end of 2021 and a new contract has to be hashed out with the players, the Players Association before the 2022 season. So a lot of these things they can say, look, look, we had real life case studies on some of these rule changes. We want to bring these to you and show you what happened. So going down the list here, let's go. I'm going to do each one. And then, Garrett, I'm going to ask you if you if you give it a yay or nay on right. this, and we'll kind of see how we. I'm in. We, yeah. So, first one is the anti kind of an anti shift rule. The beginning of an anti shift rule. Um, so, all infielders must start with both feet. In the dirt. Now, this doesn't mean you can't have three infielders on the right side of second base, Mm -hmm. four infielders on the right side of second base, whatever you want to do. But you can't have four outfielders. So you, so you can't put a buck short, you know, a, a, a softball buck short out in right field to rob a hit from Brandon Belt anymore. You're just yes. not allowed to do that.
1: That's who it affects most on the Giants. Is Absolutely. The guy, the guy who's like 20 feet into right field and Belt hits a scorcher right at him and he gets
2: thrown yes. out. Well, and you know, the funny thing is, and I don't know exactly why this is, but anytime you see the shift... And the dramatic shift with the fourth outfielder, it's usually a left-hander. Mm-hmm. You don't see that with right hand. You don't see that against a Mike Trout because Trout's just going to hit it anywhere around the field. It doesn't matter. And he's probably going to take your teeth off even if you're, you know, halfway out in the outfield. So, so it doesn't really matter. But So, yeah, it's going to affect the left-handers. The, the, now, the penalty for this, and again, this is where we get into the, you know, I threw a flag. Do you want to take the play? Um, you know, he, you know the wide receiver caught the ball, but there was pass interference. Do you want to take the play. What do you want to do? So if an infielder starts with his feet on the grass, it's an automatic ball or you take the result of the play. So if, let's say, you get a guy who's got one foot on the grass, Brandon Belt hits a triple. They can say, you know, after it's all over, well, that's an automatic ball, or Do you want the triple? So obviously you're, you're going to take the hit almost every time. But if Brandon Belt grounds out and it doesn't have to be to that player, it could be anywhere. It could be back to the pitcher. You get a, you get a mulligan. You get a mulligan. You get to do that all over again. So that's where it's going to get a little bit weird. So again, the beginning of an anti shift type of rule. Do you give this one a yay or nay?
1: Okay, I am not against putting some limitations on shifting necessarily. With this one, I I think you can actually you can actually get somewhere if you allow the uh, the infielder to play on the outfield grass. But then you limit the radius in which a an a, an infielder can, you know, can can go one way or the other. So, for instance, in this situation, like let's let's go back to the Brandon Belt thing. Me, as someone who's played second base and has had to stare down the barrel at someone who was going to kill me with an aluminum bat, yeah. I would back up a, a few, you know, a, a few feet and maybe start my approach and then by the time I'm I'm ready to to be on my toes I'm I'm back at, at the end of the, uh, the 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 dirt. But I think if you limit how far the shortstop can come over and how far the third baseman can come over, you can still allow the second baseman to sit in the outfield a little bit because that's where it's exactly where Brandon belt's going to hit it. Right. I think you could still sort of have a compromise with that rule, but that rule on its own saying the, the infielder cannot put his foot in the outfield grass, I don't like that because there are some killers and you're just trying to give yourself an opportunity to make a play. You're not trying to gimmick, the game in any way. You're trying to give yourself an opportunity. You're trying to give yourself a little bit more space so that you can go left or right uh, and take a hit away. So I don't like that specific thing. Um, and and but I think they could they could actually get to what they want to get if you come if you if you eliminate some of the the other. Um, the other movement around the infield.
2: I, I agree with you on that. So this one gets a half a yay from me. Um, I didn't know we could, I, I, I just made that up. We can do half a yays now. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a yay. If how about that? So a full yay. If they take this rule, advance it to the split the field down the middle from mm-hmm. home plate, straight through second base, imaginary line, you got to have a third baseman. You got to have a shortstop, or you got to have two people on the left side. You got to have two infielders on the right side, um, allowing them to then go out to the grass if they want to. I don't have a problem with that. I, I do have a problem, like you said, I have a problem with you've got to stay on the infield dirt. No, the field is the field. I'm. Y- you can play anywhere you want for the most part. Yeah. But growing up, it was. First base, second base, shortstop, third base. That's it. You can shift around. You can do some little things here and there. You can go play right behind second base if you need to. Uh, you leave a gigantic, a gigantic hole and, you know, growing up again, that was not something you wanted to do. Um, I, again, I'm okay, but, but let them go out to the grass. So, so slowly make this into a, okay, two infielders on the left side, two infielders on the right side, but now you can go back into the grass if you want to, I would be okay with that. So this one actually, let me change that. I'm going to go nay on this one and I'm going to say they started out wrong. Yep. They, they needed to start with splitting the infield and saying, two on each side and then if you want to say later on you can't go out to the grass which there would be no need for that at that point so I think they did it backwards so I'm going nay on this one you know the hard part
1: when you think about stuff like this is what what like if if you and I were coaching a little league team and and the little league team did a shift you would tell the batter like oh like look what's open like you yeah. know you you can slap it towards that side and in little league you could probably do that in high school you could probably do that but what is different about the big leagues is because of the movement we we always talk about the analytical movement the reason why they're positioning the infielders is because they know the hitters consistencies and they're going to pitch to those consistencies so that hitter They take away the other side of the field. So that's why in the big leagues, it's harder to just go, we'll just slap the ball where they ain't like, you know, we could say that in Little League, (laughs) but you can't do that in the big leagues anymore. Everything is, you know, everything is so specific. So, you know, back in the day, we used to say um, uh, when they would do the shift with Bonds and they're just like, oh, why doesn't he just bunt? (laughs) You know, (laughs) they're like. They kind of want him to do that, so
2: that's probably why he doesn't want to bunt. Yeah, they'd um, rather he have one base than four bases, like, absolutely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's not just as easy as saying, you know, hit it to the other side in, in the big leagues. Yeah, in high school, yeah, in little league, you can say that, which is probably why they don't do a lot of shifting, um, you know, in, in those places. Because the pitching is not consistent enough to, to know exactly how to, and you don't have the analytics. And so, yeah, that's why in the big leagues, it's a little bit different.
2: Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's throw that out there real quick to just so people who are listening understand, like we, we have coached the game, not only played the game, we've also coached it. So I, I've done 15 years of coaching, 15 seasons of coaching, not consecutive years, but I've done, you know, fall ball and and stuff like that. And you've done how many? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, i um, make you think now. Well, it's okay.
1: So, Sorry. I, my first assistant coaching year was after I graduated. So, I'd have been 19, 19 20, and I coached uh, high school. Uh, I assistant coached in high school, and then I took some time off, and then I coached my own semi pro team for a few years. And then, when my kids were ready to play ball, uh, that would have been what like another 5 years. So yeah, you know, I'm I'm double digits definitely.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. And mine was all little league from anywhere from T-ball up to 12-year-olds, you know, the top whatever that is majors or whatever they call it now, but but yeah, so so when we're talking about, you know, this type of stuff and techniques and fielding and and positioning and all that. So we we've seen it and we've taught it. So that's why when we say, you know, when we were younger, but it was more our coaching years yeah. when we were teaching kids, this is what you do. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, all right. The next one here, uh, the bases, this one's a little weird. Uh, so they want to take the 15 by 15 bases. So they're 15 inches by 15 inches right now. They want to make them 18 by 18. Uh, so they want to stretch them out three inches on each side and flatten them a little bit. So they're a little bit lower to the ground. They're saying this is going to help with, uh, injuries. You're going to have less collisions. How many collisions did we have last year in in baseball between first baseman and, and the runner? I don't know. Maybe one, maybe two throughout the whole minors. Uh, the couple of years, there really isn't that many. So I, they're trying to pitch this as more of a it's a safety thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't see that many collisions at first base. When you see collisions is when a guy, uh, you know, gets an errant throw. A First baseman gets an errant throw pulls them into the path of the runner and then they collide that's going to happen whether you have a 15 inch base or a 30 inch base it's 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 going to happen um but but the what it what it's actually going to do a little bit more is make base stealing possibly go up Mm -hmm. uh they tried this in 2019 in the atlantic league and they saw a 70 percent stolen base attempt increase. Wow. So I, th- I think they're trying to get this a little bit more, um, for, for that type of situation, uh, four and a half inches. Um, so, so from first base to second base, you're looking at four and a half inches shorter because three inches, all three of those inches total are going to be on the, um, uh, in fair play, mm-hmm. and second base, it's going to be stretched out an inch and a half, an inch and a half. So I, I did my bat, my math wrong earlier. <laughs> it's, it, it's an inch and a half on each side, inch and a half, inch and a half on each side is three. Uh, so that's what they're going to do. So you've got an inch and a half longer at second base to the first base side. So you've got four and a half inches less. Um, Is that going to make a huge difference for stolen bases? I don't know. Uh, The next rule that we're going to talk about, plus the bases, is probably going to do a little bit more altogether. But looking at that, is that a yay or nay for you? Just the bases, 15 Uh, to 18?
1: I think if there is legitimate analysis that says it would stop collisions and and really what they're trying to stop are injuries and concussions right yeah and so if 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 they think that the game doesn't fundamentally change with a bigger base and it will stop Possibly, you know, a handful of concussions over the year, then I think it's a good idea. Now, where you gimmick the game a little bit is like you said, is in the stolen bases. And I wonder with the bigger base, if you're cutting down the time around bases from, uh, you know, for for runners like having a bigger base. Does that make you shave off a, a tenth of a second in being able to get all around the bases like are triples possibly going to be up inside the park home runs possibly going to be up? I'd be interested in that study.
2: Well, that that's interesting because, again, having coached both of us, when you're rounding the bag at first and you're heading to second and you're going to round the bag, you're usually going to touch the front part of the bag, right?
1: Yeah, like the, the, the depending, like kind of like the corner. Yeah. As you make your turn. Yeah. So
2: is that going to slow you down because now you've hit The front part of the bag four and a half inches before you would have hit it in the past.
1: Yeah, you may have to change your stride a little bit, but that'll be interesting. I wonder if guys will actually trip because they're not used to the (laughs) baits being there.
2: Well, but it'll be Lower to the ground by I think they said a half an inch to three quarters Mm. of an inch So it'll be lower to the ground so I don't know that's going to be an interesting one and 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 I don't know if they're implementing that throughout all the miners or if that's just going to be at a level Uh, So so let's let's kind of skip that yay or nay on that one and let's add this into it And this is happening at the a ball level the pickoff moves So they're going to try this one at the a ball level And it's kind of a two-step thing. So number one, all pitchers are not allowed or are only allowed to make a pickoff move to first, second, or third if they step off the rubber first. Mm -hmm. So they're eliminating the pick up your leg, especially for left-handers, pick up your leg, throw to first. You've got to step off the rubber back behind it, because if you step off forward, it's a box. So you got to step off back behind the rubber first to throw over to first, second, or third. Mm -hmm. So that's the first part of what they're kind of toying with. The second part, I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, I hate it. And the second part, and they're going to try this at the low A level, is two free pickoff moves per batter. And then the third pickoff move that you make the batter or the runner either has to be out or it's a bock.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's silly. I don't, very I don't, silly. Don't and what like it that. does is, is <laughs> if you cannot throw another pickoff move, Talk about the runner getting a lead and a jump, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, you, that's, that's too much. That's too gimmicky for me.
2: Yeah, you can get, you can go ahead and get like, you know, a good 12 feet off the base and uh, do whatever you want to do. At that point, you're going to see more um, pitch outs. Uh, you know, you're going to see like Roger Craig used to pitch out with like two and Oh, sometimes (laughs) I mean, you're going to, you're going to see more of that stuff happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so they're also toying with the idea too. So those two free pickoff moves that could just be stepping off the rubber. You step off the rubber and don't make a throw. That is a pickoff move that counts as one. Mm. So if you do that twice, now you're out of them for that current batter. And yeah, that just kind of throws the whole thing. So add that with the bigger bases. Now you're four and a half inches closer to second base. The pitcher is used as two pickoff moves. You've got yourself a stolen base. So stolen base numbers are definitely going to go up in that situation.
1: Well, you know what it is also is that because of analytics, stolen bases are down because yeah. attempting to steal second base unsuccessfully is just a free out and so they you know that they're trying to maybe make the risk a little bit more worth it because a stolen base is an exciting moment in a game right yeah and you eliminate it because smart teams have said you know unless we got billy hamilton it's really not worth it to steal in not not in not in conventional places where a runner notices uh, you know a pitcher's not paying attention and then he can steal the base easily but this we're talking about you know Dave Roberts needing to steal second base in the world's you know in the NLC or ALCS against the Yankees because they you know they're trying to come back from three games to nothing like that you know I don't think teams would actually do that today like they did in 2007 or 4 or whenever that was But that was a moment like that's a really exciting play. That was such a chess match game. But you don't see that today as much because the teams are much less uh, about the risk when it comes to stealing bases, of course, unless you have a Billy Hamilton. But look, you know, Ricky Henderson, when he stole the 130 bases or whatever, he probably still got thrown out 30 times, you know, and that's still a great ratio. That's, you know, 80 percent or whatever. But, you know, when you had guys stealing 30 bags and then they got thrown out twenty four times. That generally wasn't really worth it in the long run when you actually put a statistical analysis to it. So teams really pulled back on that stuff.
2: Yeah, and and uh, it's the timing of the stolen base. You know, was it in the ninth inning? Was it the tying run? Uh, did he make it to second, and then that tied up the game eventually? Because um, I, I pulled up some stats, and last year. Uh, the the league as a whole uh, stole 0.49 bases per team per game. Mm-hmm. So the last time it was that low was 1972. Yep, and it just went up from there. Um, the The weird thing this is kind of a weird stat. The year it kind of peaked was the year the quote unquote juiced ball came into action. It was 1987. Uh, home runs were 1.06 home runs per game which jumped up from 0.91 the year before uh, but but stolen bases per game were 0.85 but i th- i think those were all cardinals probably <laughs> yeah, yeah 1987 right so yeah absolutely <laughs> But it slowly dropped from there, you know, because it kind of went up and down in the, in the 2000s and 2010s. Uh, but then it's just dramatically dropped since it kind of peaked a little bit in 2011 at 0.67 per game. And then it's dropped down to 0.49. And Theo Epstein, who was the GM for the Red Sox, GM for the Cubs, got a couple of World Series from both of those stints. He left the Cubs front office and started working with major league baseball a year or two ago. And he said in an interview, I want to work with major league baseball because I helped put the game in in the situation. It is now with the analytics, with Mm -hmm. the home runs, with everything else. So this is a little bit of him behind this. I think trying to write that ship and say, well, let's let's get away a little bit from the home runs. Let's get a little bit more to the tactical part of the game. I think some of these are just a stretch. Again, I mean, you can't you can't limit a guy's pickoff moves. And obviously, that's a strategy. Major League Baseball has been on this train for years that they want the games to be shorter. Uh, so so that's that's what this is, too. You can't have six or seven pickoff throws, uh, you, you know, per batter. And then you're going to drag out the game an extra 15, 20 minutes You and I are probably okay with that for the most part. I don't see that happening as much as it used to happen uh, because you don't have those stolen base threat guys. But if you make the bases bigger, uh, and then I, I think that's all you really need to do in that situation to bring stolen bases up. Uh, so I'm going to go nay actually on both of these. I do not like either one. I like the deceptive move from the left-hander. I think that's part of the game. Uh, just I always better. thought it was cheating when I was <laughs> on base, but I'm also not left-handed. <laughs> well, I was about to say, get better with the Bach rules. If you really want to fix that... Major League Baseball, get better with the Bach rules, draw a line in the dirt, have a have a line be put in the dirt where if you step over that line and make a move to first base, that's a Bach. I I mean, it's really that simple uh, because there's an imaginary line that's in between home plate and first base. And if you step over that line and throw to first base, it's supposed to be a balk. Well, how many times does that get called? It never does. So, um, so that, that's what I think needs to happen. They just need to get better with the Bach rule, but I'm okay. I think with the base getting a little bit bigger. So yay on that. Nay on any of this pickoff stuff. I don't like it.
1: I could be talked into the base thing. I don't like the pickoff thing though.
2: Yeah. I, that's just weird. All right. Last one. Here we go. Low a ball. Here they come. It is 2021 and we're about to see robot umpires. Uh, now, they didn't mention, uh, Jason Stark didn't mention in the article, I haven't seen this. I'm wondering if there are even going to be umpires behind home plate and low A ball when they're doing this. Uh, but they, they, Uh, did this in the South or they're going to do this in the Southeast league. Uh, So that's going to be part of the trial. Um, One thing that they need to do that was mentioned is that they need to edit the the strike zone because they tried it in the Atlantic and the Arizona fall league last season or or 2019. Should I say there were no minors last year Um, and, and the robot umpire was calling textbook rule book, strikes and and you and I both know that those strikes don't exist. Yep. I mean everybody knows those strikes do not exist. It's not your armpit to your knees, so it's just above your knees. That that's not a real thing. That is written in the rule book, but no umpire calls that unless he accidentally makes that call. Um so they're going to have to edit that down to say, okay, what is this going to be? Uh, the other thing is like a 3D box strike zone, you've got curveballs that were sweeping across and just ticking part of that 3d box on the outside corner of the plate and being called strikes Where or, or batters and everybody are saying, there's no way I was going to hit that. I, yeah. I can't put wood on that ball. So, th- so they're going to have to come up with something, um, that doesn't start until May. Uh, so they've got some time to work on that. That I am not okay with. Uh, that's a big nay for me. I never want to see robot umpires. Uh, I, For me personally, if that hits the major league level, that is going to take away a big part of the game for me personally. I am very much 110% against it. I love the human element of the umpire. I love the arguments. I love the... Uh, you know shrugged shoulders the the peering back at you know from uh, from Angel Pagan saying, Is that a strike? Brandon Bell gets screwed so many times, <laughs> but that is a part of the game. I don't want that taken away from it. Tennis did that, completely took that away. Uh, they have robots calling that whole thing. That's fine in tennis. I understand that. Um, that's more a one on one sport. Uh, I just, I, I don't ever want to see that in baseball personally.
1: Okay, so this is just for the the balls and strikes yes so we'll still have umpires on the basis
2: for now <laughs> so <laughs> that's so, that's what i don't want to see i don't want to see the door open
1: yeah so i i here's what i would say which is i agree with you for the most part with the home plate umpire um the home plate umpire is everyone's enemy depending on if your team loses right like yeah, oh, of the, course got to have so, somebody to blame i think i think from the perspective of um the hitters less than the pitchers because i think i think the pitchers and and you know the catchers probably know the strike zone of like it's probably part of their job to know that this umpire likes a little bit of a higher A strike. This pitch. This umpire likes. He'll give you a couple inches. You know, in the ninth inning. You know, when his bladder's
2: full. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He he needs that Polish dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And and, so you know, for the hitter, I could see the
1: frustration. If it, you know, I and maybe this is part of the thing now. Is hitters know? Okay, this umpire is this, and this umpire is that. So I got to be open. But at the same time, the hitters. Um. Patience and the strike zone is such a big part of the game today because of our, you know, dynamic outcomes or, or whatever they call it, you know, the home run or the strikeout. Like, I, I really do feel for the hitters when it comes to some of these umpires and, and the inconsistencies. I don't I think the pitchers and the catchers they can gimmick it more often than not so i think that's th- th- to their advantage more than the hitters so i could understand if you're a hitter and you're like here's what the strike zone is and this is what i'm swinging at what it what might happen though is there might be this thing where it becomes so consistent that your uh, the analytics even even make it more of like a robot game where, you know, Mike Trout, he he knows exactly how far inside is his sweet spot on the strike zone. And what, and, and he knows what his, uh, you know, maybe his cold zone is, if it's, you know, two inches off the plate. And for whatever reason, he sometimes feels he has to swing at that pitch based on umpire to umpire. But now if he knows he never has to swing at that pitch ever again, Mike Trout becomes even better version of Mike Trout. Oh,
2: absolutely.
1: And those pitchers are just like, holy shit. Like, (laughs) this, how do I get this guy out? So I think there could be sort of a flip side of it to that, which is the... uh, It it flips onto the other side, right? It it becomes a little bit more to the offense than it is to the pitcher. So I, I think that could happen. I don't like it either, but I wouldn't mind seeing it tested. You know, tested in... Uh, in a couple of different places to see what to see if it changes the offense drastically, because if it doesn't change the offense drastically and you get a more consistent game and and the pitchers and the hitters are just overall like less frustrated by inconsistency. I think that could be a positive, but I don't think you could take the umpires out from the bases and uh, and stuff because. Uh, I, yeah, well, you know, who knows? But I, like you said, it could open the door for it. It, it. it would definitely change what we know baseball to be, though, for sure.
2: Yeah, and, and I think that's what uh, would hurt me most. I love seeing a pitcher at the start of the game. <clears throat> Maybe he's never been on the mound with his umpire behind the plate before. Uh, you know, he's got a really wicked slider that touches the outside corner of the plate. This ump is not giving it to him. It Just not giving it to him. I love to see the reaction. Can this pitcher adjust to that? Will this pitcher just get pissed off and decide, you know what? Screw you, Blue. I'm still throwing it, and I'm going to yell at you when I'm coming (laughs) off the mound. I I love that aspect of the game. I don't want to see that go away. Um, I mean, if you're going to do it, put it put an actual umpire back there still he doesn't call balls and strikes but you know if if the robot umpire is not calling the right pitch for this guy uh i want to have him some uh, have him have somebody to yell at so (laughs) so keep an umpire behind home plate and if a robot ump says you know that's a ball and he disagrees i give him somebody to yell at because i want to see i still want to see that human element of the game where uh, guys get the emotion going they want to bring emotion into baseball so they're letting the bat flips happen they're letting the the chest pounding happen um which i'm cool with at first i didn't like that at all uh old school guy i thought ah, you're gonna you're showing up the pitcher and this and that No, let, these are kids man they're yeah. they're Playing a game, they're having fun.
1: It actually makes baseball cool, which is it, part of the problem. Absolutely,
2: absolutely, and it, it is so fun to watch. And it gets under our skin when it happens to our guys. But then when our guys do it, we're like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there it is. So, so I'm cool with it. As soon as I started accepting it for players on my team, uh, the Giants, then I was like, yeah, that that's okay. I'm cool with that. So I don't want to see that part of the game go away with the emotional batters the emotional pitchers that uh you know because it's not it's not a one-on-one it's not pitcher versus batter um in a baseball game it's pitcher versus batter with the umpire as the judge Mm kind of controlling what happens in the courtroom so it's 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 fun and i i don't want that to go away
1: Yeah, and I wonder what brought that on. I wonder if if there is data that shows that the strike zones are just very inconsistent and they're hard to keep consistent. Because I I can't remember, um, was there like a big play or something happened in the World Series or the playoffs that swung a game as to why you would look into this?
2: No, I think it's just been talked about I think fans have talked about it because again you like you said you said it earlier when your team gets screwed and it's the umpire that didn't call that final strike and it ends up being ball two and then the next pitch the guy hits it out and you lose uh, fans have been calling for it for years I want to see you know Consistency. I want to see robotic umpires. So this is this is their answer to that. And they implemented it a few years ago, from what I remember, actually, at the major league level, um, more of a in a couple of ballparks, more of a scoring system, a grading system for umpires uh, to see how they graded against a robotic Strike zone, mm. uh, and and I'm okay with that. That's fantastic. You you do that. I mean, make the umpires more consistent. But then, the umpires association fought back and said, "You know, you know what." Get get rid of this because they, they said, well, maybe we'll implement pay scales for the umpires based on how well you grade. Well, they didn't like that at all. Yeah, I can't imagine they're going to like taking a <laughs> yeah. taking
1: a spot out. Well, and then, no, well, maybe you yeah. have to maybe you do what you said, which is if you don't have a home plate blue, you have like an umpire whose job is there to, to sort of oversee everything and kind of uh, be uh I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe when there's arguments, he's got like the final call or something. I don't know. Be yeah, I, I,
2: something like that. But, but just don't take the human element away from behind the plate. And then, and then who's going to call or out at home plate on close plays? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on. So um, I'd like to see it in action. I'd, I'd like to watch a game with it in action just to get the feel for it so I can know truly how much I hate it. Because yeah. I know I'm going to hate it. Yeah. But I just want to see it so I know exactly how much I hate it.
1: I mean, they should put it in the World Baseball Classic to see. You, you'll actually get like Ugh. the legitimate <laughs> reaction by the big leaguers, right? Like all the best players. So you'll know. Oh, you know.
2: And the World Baseball Classic is one of the highest emotion games. Uh, in major league or in baseball in general. I mean, when you watch those game, the emotions that flow during those games are wild, man. They're fun to watch. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, (laughs) that would be a weird one. Yeah. I don't like it. I know. I don't like it.
1: All right. So the last thing we wanted to do is, uh, we asked some folks on social media because of that photo that I mentioned, um, uh, the, of of Linsicum that got a lot, got, that got so much feedback. We uh, we also asked if people just had some quick Lensicum stories. We wanted to celebrate Timmy. And, uh, Brad, I know that you controlled the Instagram side. So do you have a couple of shout outs from people about the great Tim Lincecum?
2: Yeah. So we asked people to drop a, pro, uh, a comment because we said, Hey, we see the emotion. We see that people love Timmy. We know that they do again. He's our like second, third generation, really third generation, uh, of giants. Cause we started with the Will Clark era. Then that moved into the Barry Bonds era and then into the Timmy era, um, so for us, he's more of the third era, but we love him so much. I mean, he he is uh, a big shot into the, to the arm when Barry Bonds left, and a couple of Cy Youngs, and and those World Series titles. So. uh I'm just gonna hit a couple of these from instagram uh it's the real Sarah said uh definitely let Tim smoke yes that's my that's <laughs> my that's my friend uh
1: Sarah she's not she used to be on um Twitter I actually met her on twitter we we we've gone to ball games before and such uh, so i have i've I've hung out with her in real life um Ah for, she she's she's a big Andres Torres fan. Oh. Um nice. yeah, she she's like she really favors like a lot of the Giants like uh swaggy Latin players. Uh she's a big fan of. But yeah, Sarah's a, Sarah's a, a friend. Uh we haven't we haven't been able to she you know she had a child and so we haven't been able to hang out or go to games recently. But yeah, back in like 2010 range like we were I, I was we were going to games together and hanging out.
2: Well, and I'm just going to throw this idea out there. This might actually be kind of fun this year. Maybe we do a Zoom watch and we get some fans together. And uh, during a game during the season or, you know, maybe an evening game, we just do like a little Zoom watch, pop in, watch the game. We can all talk about the game as it's happening. It might be kind of fun. Yeah, way to get get people together. Yeah, too. Cool. Totally. Um, Autograph a week said my favorite modern player, um, Japan ball travel said he represents the energy in that ballpark and the city's enthusiasm for the giants. Also the transition from the bonds era, uh, music Husky lover said, uh, still miss this guy. Number 55, one of the best giants ever. Um, uh, Dana Kidd fan. I don't understand this one. I, I got to go back and, and research this one a little bit. But uh, Dana Kidd fan said winning brats after he made 13 K's in one game. I'm so, guessing there was like a bet or something. Yeah, like, that's possible. Or there was a, you know, maybe a local grocery store had a, you know, you can get some brats yeah. if, uh, if he strikes out 10 or more that game. That's a good gimmick. I like that gimmick. <laughs> yeah, that one's good. Uh, DMVM 9791 said getting Tim's autographed a game in Pittsburgh was pretty thrilling. Didn't see him pitch that night though Um, Mem F54 the SI article about Timmy and his dad left me verklempt. Yeah that's a memorable one. Yeah that was a great article I got to go back and see if I can find that one because I read it when it came out Uh, but it was phenomenal just the um, the dynamics between Timmy and his dad his dad teaching him how to pitch and that weird wind up and everything and that was just awesome um Just a couple more here dave uh dave reed 55 you know he's a big fan my favorite thing about timmy is that he appears to be such a genuine human being he's so cool without making any effort to appear cool uh never sought attention he still doesn't seek attention as far as on field moments i was in texas as he pitched a jam in game five uh in 2010 world series a painting of him atop the pile celebrating hangs on my wall love that guy um, that would have been awesome. Be it game 5 against Texas. That was the the clincher and the winner. You
1: know, um, in my office I have um I have uh, Michael Jordan hitting game winning shot to win the NBA Finals uh photo. I have LL Cool J from like 1985 <laughs> with the with the radio on his shoulder. Yes. And I have, like, uh, Martin and Will from Bad Boys. I was, like, I, I wanted one more piece just to kind of fill out the rest of my office. And the one that I wanted was the one that they just mentioned which is lincecum on the shoulders after winning the world series i want that in like a matted thing and so i haven't been able to find a good one yet but if i could find that photo
2: that's the photo that i want in my office well and also the no hitters you can get a uh, timmy buster hug oh yeah maybe get one of those that'd be awesome so, Lenny Lynn Marie says, uh, we took our four-year-old to the 2010 Phillies playoff game, and she stood up yelling, give us a freak show, Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Nice. Four-year-old. Teach him young. Yes. Right? Show him the right way. So, that's it from Instagram. Some, some awesome memories and, and comments on there. We love that stuff.
1: All right. So, I have a couple from Twitter. Of course, our buddy, Ash Day. He says, uh, what a guy Timmy is, the everyman's athlete. I know it's quite common for people to have their index finger out of the glove, but he was the first guy I ever noticed to do it, so I did it too when I put my glove on. Uh, burrito Man, at Burrito with Walk is his Twitter <laughs> handle. Now I'm hungry. He says, that no-no in 2013 that I decided not to drive to San Diego from L.A., Unfortunately, but watched every single pitch. And you know what's interesting about that no hitter is, and this simply might be um, because we're spoiled Giants fans, yeah. but I remember I was. Uh, me and my kids, when Matt Cain was throwing the perfect game, like once we sort of figured out what was going on, we didn't move from our seat except to go to the restroom and come back directly to our seat because we didn't want to jinx it. And that was such a special moment. But because of who Timmy was and where he was at in his career, you know, later in his career, I pulled for him for that no hitter more than I've pulled for anybody to do anything on a Giants field. I don't know why I don't know what it is, the relationship with Tim and and the fans, but it was almost like I want this so badly for him more than he even wants it
2: for himself, you know? (laughs) Well, and I think it's because he was our savior after the Bonds years. We had a Cy Young Award winner, uh, in our lifetime, um, a two time Cy Young Award winner in our lifetime. Then, uh, we had the world series dominance, the playoff dominance from him in 2010 and then the fall off. So then in 2013 to get that no hitter for him, to see him do that and kind of get that one last check that one last box checked mm-hmm. in his career. Wh- was, I think, I think that's what we all wanted. We wanted to see that. Well, he, oh, now he added a no hitter. All right. Now he is cemented forever in giants lore. I mean, look what this guy's done in his career. So we can, we can say all that. So I think that's, that's probably why that night we were like, come on, man, you got to get this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Before we get out of here, you want to throw out a quick Lincecum memory?
2: Yeah, you know what? <clears throat> I think for me, uh, and again, it's just uh, you know, for us, it was Timmy Timmy night. It's it's Timmy night. Timmy pitches today. Happy Timmy day. Um, all of that going on because we we didn't have much happening for us in 2007, 8, 9. Mm-hmm. So, so when Timmy was around, that was it. I mean, we got to watch him go out with that funky delivery, this little guy, number 55, funky delivery, throwing darts, keeping people off balance with that change up, uh, dropping in that curveball. Uh, I mean, that th- th- those are my memories of him. Not not so much the dominance in 2010 in the playoffs, but I think it was everything leading up to that um those Cy Young Awards uh because we could always say you know what we've got this pitcher and he's going to be around with us for a long time little do we know after 2010 it was going to start to kind of go downhill but that build up to that 2010 Timmy I think for me that was it that early Timmy those Mm -hmm. those are my fondest memories
1: So I think I've mentioned this story in the air before, and we'll get out of here after this. But you mentioned the first Instagram comment uh, you mentioned from Sarah. And Sarah and I had bought tickets to a game. I think I want to say this was 2010. uh, And it was the um, I believe it was the 2002 World Series Team Reunion. And so they were going to bring all those guys back and, you know, Bonds and Kent and all these guys. I think that's what it was. I, I, I could be off on that year. So it's a day game. And so we're there and, you know, what, you know, everyone's there and you kind of see people who, you know, and you go hang out and you go across the street, get a drink, get some food. But it was raining. And so we're trying to figure out, like, what's going to happen to this game? Are we going to be able to, you know, see the, the, the reunion. But if not like Linscombe's pitching and we want to, you know, we want to see Linscombe. So we're waiting and waiting and waiting. Game keeps getting delayed, keeps getting delayed, keeps getting delayed. And so we're all just across the street and Sarah at this point has to leave because I think, I think she was pet sitting or something and she had to make sure the animal got back to the people or her own pet, something to do with a pet. And I was like, well, this is not the smartest decision I've ever made on a Sunday, but I'm going to wait this thing out because I want to see Lincecum. And, you know, if I only get to see him for a couple innings, oh, well, then I'll just go home. And so game starts. It's late. It's it's uh drizzle. It's not drizzling. It's sprinkling pretty much for the whole game. And it's Lincecum against the Braves. Brian McCann hits an early home run off of Lincecum. And so, you know, I was like, oh, no, we're not going to get good Lincecum, right? And so uh, then Pablo hits a jack, and then Tim settles down and just throws a great game. Weather sucked. It was cold. It was sprinkling, drizzling on us a little bit. But there was so few people there because everyone had gone home. You could literally sit wherever you wanted. And I ran into at least three or four people who stayed like me, who I knew going all the way back to like high school and then people who I knew just from like Twitter and social media and stuff. So I always remember that because, you know, I stuck it out because like, ah, you don't, you know, when, when do you ever get to see, you know, you, when you ever, when you get to see Tim pitch, you got to stay and you got to stick with it. And I probably got home at like 11 o'clock and, you know, on a, on a Sunday night and had to go to work on Monday. Again, not the best decision for that, but still very, memorable game because, you know, it was Lincecum and, and you just did whatever, you, you know, you could to make sure you got to see him.
2: I remember that. That was a Sunday night ESPN game, right? Yeah, I think so. And and that's why it went so late. And uh, I, re- I remember during the game and after the game, too, everybody talking about, well, uh, you know, Lincecum, has, he pitched in the northwest. He's from the Seattle area. Yeah. And so this is nothing to him. I mean, this drizzly, overcast, wet weather, he probably pitched in that every day in college. So, yeah. Um, that's why he ended up just kind of uh, settling in and uh, rain delay be damned. It didn't matter to him. And he just went unpitched.
1: Yeah. No. No, it was, it was good stuff. So anyways, uh, all right. So we are done here. And uh, Brad, have a, f- have a great time with the family. We'll be back next week to uh, talk about Brad's spling- spring flings again. And we'll <laughs> keep catch everyone up on what's going on in the world of Giants baseball. So for Brad, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.
2: Peace.